Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. to another week of La Jamon Latte. Hope you've had an excellent time. If you're in Melbourne, we finally got a little bit of sunshine that we can get on our bodies for a whole two hours a week. Now, I know this week I said I was going to bring you a story more wild than Tarzan, but it was a pretty heavy story and the author decided she wasn't ready to share it. Totally her prerogative. So I have got another surprise for you. It's a co-host. Yes, I have been in lockdown for so long, it was either this or I went full Castaway Styles and created a Wilson as a co-host. So I feel like we'll all agree that this is a better option sanity-wise. So without further ado, please welcome the other half of Large Almond Latte, Jess. Yay, guys, thanks for having me on the show. Finally on the podcast, I've made it to the big time. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, Jess. A little bit about Jess, she likes rom-coms with old people in them, mm-hmm. barley, and dress-up parties. What a little weirdo. <laughs> Such an accurate summer. <laughs> it was actually a little bit of a risk bringing Jess on the pod because she is one of my three listeners. I'm taking a risk of dropping down to two listeners, but then I realized now Jess is on the pod, her big fat Jewish family are all going to want to listen now too. So really it's a (laughs) win-win. And fans, okay, again, we have one very small favor to ask of you this week. Wherever you're listening to us, please take a screenshot and put it on your Instagram stories. Tag us at La Diamond Latte Media because firstly, it really helps us spread the word. And secondly, we really like to see where you're listening from because it's very refreshing to see something other than the four walls of our houses. Today on the podcast, it's a bit of a long one, and because we have quite short attention spans, I've kept it to two segments. It appears that approximately 125% of us are subject area experts in Mean Girls, but like gymnasts, their careers are over by 18, so why is it that certain reality franchises try so hard to resurrect the Mean Girl when we are just not interested? Stop trying to make Mean Girls happen. Then I review a film about Paris Hilton that was 100% consensual. I am Paris. Let's talk about Mean Girls. No, not the movie, although it does get quite a few references throughout, but let's talk about those girls who are malicious and try to be mean and hurtful. The ones that control the dynamics, exclude other people, the verbal put-downs, the bullying, the backstabbing, using others to get ahead. Girls who are friendly one minute and mean the next. 
Frenemies, are you triggered yet? I definitely am. I feel a little bit sick. I feel like it's so sad to think that there's nobody who wouldn't relate to this experience. It like, is. Like, we all know what you're talking about. Like, I had some doctor quotes in here, and I still do, but I actually don't think we need the experts to weigh in on this because, according to a recent study I just made up, 125% of us are experts <laughs> yeah, yeah. in the Mean Girl experience. So we asked you fans in the Facebook group this week, what is your Mean Girl story? And we were flooded, honestly. But as soon as I posted it, I immediately regretted the decision. I felt so anxious. I was waiting for a troll to jump on and tell me that they are now on the BRW Rich List, earning seven figures a year. And look at you, you loser, in your bedroom, recording a podcast with three listeners. <laughs> you know, I didn't think you were a mean girl, but you were like in the cool girl group. Like you were in that year above and you were all blonde and you were the cool girls. And I, I found you intimidating. I mean, I feel like that's a bit of the cheerleader effect, yeah. <laughs> actually. But thank you. <laughs> Thankfully, we did not get trolled. Well, my boyfriend definitely trolled us, but what new. But you're right. I, I, I'm I not super proud to admit it at all, but I definitely have been a mean girl. And I think my brother would tell anyone who'd listen that I was born a bitch. But I also don't think sibling fights count in siblings the mean girl don't count. That's different. We're all mean to our siblings. But I think it's good that you're acknowledging it. And I think it's really great. And I want to thank the listeners and writers who admitted their mean girl moments, as well as like saying they'd been through it. Because I think if you can acknowledge that it happened... I don't think you're any longer a mean girl. Yes, that's so true. I think like I look back at so many things and I just cringe. My first memory of a mean girl was in grade four and it wasn't me. (laughs) It was us being mean girled. And I remember being on the playground with my gang and this grade six girl came up to us and pointed at us one by one and went, bitch, 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 bitch. Oh, you're okay. (laughs) And we were so shocked, but I was the one who got to be okay because we played softball together and everybody knows you do not mess with a softball player, even if they are nine years old. But she made the mistake of coming up to us as a pack because if she would have done that to us individually, there would be so many tears, like Kim Kardashian tears, and definitely some dobbing. But because we were all together, we laughed about it and then we were like, okay, well, we can't bully her back because she's in grade six and a softballer. So we got retribution on her brother who was our age and don't feel bad about him because he gave it back just as good. But we were also like, bitches, yeah, that's a good name. And like what pack of nine-year-olds doesn't want a name for their group? Just most of them end up being like the best friends club or babysitters club. And we called ourselves the bitches. Primary school's (sighs) brutal. It's actually, it was so much bitchier for me than high school, personally. Yeah, same. Primary school for me was amazing, but awful. I don't know. I mean, I did actually leave my first primary school because of bullying and I went to the second one. But then at the second one, I mean, even though I went through a bit of a period of bullying there in grade six, I I think I was like you, what you said about the Gretchen Wieners, like that Kate Miller Heike song, Caught in the Crowd. Like my friend would go around judging people on the length of their ankle socks. Oh my God. Legitimate. (laughs) If you had ankle socks that were above your ankles. You're out. Just wear knee high socks. (laughs) She'd literally go, um, yep, you're okay. You're okay. You, okay. There 
they're a bit long. We're going to have to change those tomorrow. You're okay. Who the fuck made you the authority on sock height? She did. But then, like, <laughs> also, if you had really high ankle socks, then you would fold them down, yeah. but they didn't work, so they would end up going, oh like, God, under yes. your feet, and you'd get blisters. What a disaster. So not only did we have to deal with bullies, we had to deal with, like, trying to adjust ourselves to the bullies and physically hurt ourselves in the process. <laughs> After primary school, like, any classic child of the noughties, I had a burn book. I mean, who did not have a burn book? I did not have a burn book. Okay, I thought it was really common. Ban Emily had a burn book. Like, she made an exact replica with pictures of all the girls in their year with one big difference. They wrote nice things about all the girls, which is like the anti-mean girl. It's so sweet. It's like going to war and then going across the trenches to make friends. It's lovely. Uh, yeah. And she just, she said like her and her friends just like the arts and crafts of it. And I wish me and my friends were a little bit more like Emily because we had a burn book each. And I actually found mine recently when my mum insisted she was no longer a storage king and I had to remove all my belongings from her house. When she saw the contents of my burned books, yes, that is plural, she was so glad she paid for my schooling. Oh, she read them? (laughs) She read them. Like, we went through them together. Yeah, it was super embarrassing because, like, it honestly wasn't full of mean stuff. It was mainly a lot of note writing in classes about our first crushes, our first times, whose party we were going to on Friday night, who was getting the alcohol and we called each other sluts and whores a lot (laughs) and look I really need to emphasize the other things that were in the book so you don't think I'm a total mean girl but there definitely were really mean things in there I was mainly mean on the grounds of fashion again like what authority did I have looking at photos now I had as much authority to criticize people on fashion as like a galah has to teach a physics class zero (laughs) one of my friends still likes to remind me to this day that in year eight I told her off in front of everyone on casual day for wearing a Roxy t-shirt and Roxy bottoms how dare she I know right so rude but the things that we wrote that were really really mean It was about girls we were clearly jealous of and were feeling insecure about. And that's really what mean girling is. Like, I have turned it into a verb. It's taking your insecurities out on someone else. Actually, it's not called mean girling. Technically, it's called relational aggression. But I think mean girling is much more relatable. And when I think about it, that's definitely what we were doing in primary school. We were insecure about the older bully, but we couldn't take it out on her. So we took it out on her brother. And I think the only exception to this is when you're a psychopath, then you're taking out your childhood trauma on your victim. (laughs) But we're not here to talk about serial killers today. I really wonder how we got away with so much and just in general, actually, how mean girls get away with so much because not one of you fans that wrote into us told us about mean girls being reprimanded by the teachers. Like, we didn't even tell our parents, I feel. It's actually so true. There was a time at my second primary school I'd moved to, and I remember just one day we were on an excursion, and the group of girls I used to hang out with, one of them started whispering, turned to me, and for whatever reason, that was it. I was out, and for a few months, none of them talked to me. They would all turn their backs to me. No one would play with me. I was crying and crying. My parents were calling the school. They got a bit extra and called the parents as well. But this girl wasn't reprimanded. Nothing happened. No one got in trouble. Instead, I had to go and see a counsellor and I was told that um, I would get McDonald's if I would just get over it. I think maybe like there just wasn't the education for teachers perhaps, but 
like our burn books, we took them to every class with us, right? And yeah, we were super smart because they looked like workbooks. But if just one teacher in any of like the group of five of us's classes had realized that there was not Pythagoras theorems written in those books, mm. maybe we would have had like a Tina Fey style intervention. I was about to say, we need Miss Norbury. But honestly, <laughs> she's a drug pusher. <laughs> she is a drug pusher. <laughs> I doubt that anything would have changed because when you're a teenager, you've got like this cloak of invisibility on and nothing phases you and I am confident we would have just said at recess that was so gay and we would have just carried on not only did the teachers not really do anything about it when we were at school but we also didn't do anything when we saw it happening because if you did you would take the very real risk of then being a victim yourself and you know like dibba dobbies wear nappies and snitches get stitches (laughs) so I I have seen so much bullying and done nothing about it, which, according to Mean Girls, is also, like, equally as punishable. I have watched girls get roasted for, like, a whole recess. They've just stood there and had a girl attack them about their beliefs, their appearance, their family, absolutely tore them to shreds. I've been on the three-way calling attack, as have Svan Brittany, which... I know, like, I'm sure it doesn't happen anymore because what is a home phone? But then, <laughs> but then there's like a whole world of online bullying that, thankfully, I'm, I'm unfamiliar with. It actually sounds terrifying, and a lot of bullying by exclusion. Like seeing everyone, I get upset seeing everyone partying on Instagram without me now, let alone at 13. Totally, actually, no, I am familiar with the digital bullying by exclusion because it's like you have a group chat with your friends, but if you don't have a side group chat without one of those friends yes. talking about that one friend, then the side chat's happening but it's just about you cool I'm not gonna sleep tonight I've seen so many things I've also watched girls get used for their sweet trampolines and snack drawers full of Mars bars and Snickers but then next day at school they're relentlessly bullied again thankfully I did not go to a private school or a country school so I never witnessed or was threatened with a bitch fight can I just say I had a trampoline and Mars bars are we are you talking about me um (laughs) maybe (laughs) but I have also been on the receiving end of mean girling and I have had that sick feeling in the pit of my stomach I have been covered in cold sweats begging my mum to stay home falling apart like a cheap suit before school because I knew my friends were going to make my life hell yeah my friends that makes me sad it does and I think every time someone tells a story of mean girling I get sad because we all relate my best friend even gave me back her half of our yin and yang best friends necklace and it wasn't for cultural appropriation (laughs) so brutal (laughs) it's so brutal but I think we all like we all relate when we hear stories of mean girls because mean girls are never original but shit they are effective jess when i heard your story about your local southlands i was doubly stressed like i felt sick because it's so relatable but also i was temporarily like oh was that me who did that to you when i was in year seven and finally allowed to go to southlands sort of on my own my parents were a bit strict at this point so i was on another level southlands is a westfield sorry yeah it's where you'd cruise you just like walk around buying shit from like what accessories yeah for like two dollar earrings and buying stealing (laughs) (laughs) wearing your champion jumper and your matikos yes and the slicked two bits but anyway i was excited you know it took me a while to make friends in year seven and finally i went with a group of girls we'd walked around a bit and then sort of like the ringleader girl was like oh it's probably time we all go home my mum's coming she's picking us up i was like oh okay cool okay bye because we hadn't been there all that long my mum came to get me we you know walked to the fairy shop which used to be around (laughs) and um went to get some things 
things. And But then we went to the food court and they were all still walking around together. Oh, everyone knows that feeling because it's it's catching someone talking about you behind your back. Yeah. Like you catch them in the act. They're not saying it to your face. And Fan Dana has a really similar story to that, that again, like I feel like we all can relate to. And it's very specific. Back in 2009, it was a wet weather day in B Block during recess. They were all discussing the upcoming Friday night house party, classic, who was going to get the alcohol and who was on the guest list. And one of the girls said out loud, do not invite Katie. And of course, you know what happened? Katie was in the room. No. And there was like that obvious cover up. Oh, we're just joking. Totally just joking. But they're not joking. But Dana said, don't feel bad about her because the reason why Katie wasn't invited is because she was the actual mean girl. Okay, so, that makes me feel better because my heart sank. I'm yeah. like, she would still be living that moment. Yes. I mean, if you've been on the receiving end of it, you are 100% still living it. One thing that stood out from your fan comments, and it was just a quote, high school girls are ruthless. Thank you, fan Anthony. That is correct. I've mentioned the movie Mean Girls already, but it's not only a great movie for one-liners, but it is such an accurate social commentary. It is is a jungle in high school. It's survival of the fittest. And it's a great would you rather. Would you rather be at the top of the food chain but have to be a raging bitch to survive? Or would you rather be nice and get picked on? And I, I genuinely think I'm, I need to homeschool my child. Except that's, that's also in Mean Girls <laughs> and they don't fit too well. So I am very stressed for her. But honestly, I do think if you need to put someone in line, don't worry about water torture or a stretching rack. Send them to high school. I think when you are Mean girl you think about it a lot. Like it consumes you. It's all you can think about. I remember thinking a lot of how I could possibly get retribution. And honestly, I don't think I ever did, but I was so glad to read that like 90% of the stories that you shared fans were about you getting retribution on your bullies. It's amazing. It's actually like a movie. Yes. <laughs> Dan Simeon, and I love this story because it's so American. He started at a new school in the ninth grade and this boy invites him over only to pour his whole carton of milk over Simeon. No, carton of milk. I know. Like, <laughs> firstly, what sort of, like, ninth grade, what are you, 15? What sort of boy who is 15 years old is still drinking a carton of milk at lunch? Like, I'm really concerned. Is yeah. he going home and getting breastfed <laughs> as well? But Simeon never ate in that cafeteria again. But years later, when he was in college with the boys, bro, the, bro, frat, bro. the bros, his frat bros, he was at a diner. And as they were leaving, they saw this guy with the milk's red BMW, the one that he drove in high school. Needless to say, the bros got revenge. Or this one from Fan Lin, who also had to wait a few years, but her revenge came. She had to deal with a bus mean girl, who classic mean girl style was totally nice while Lin's friends were around because never attacked in a pack, but her friends would all get off the bus earlier than her, so once they were off, this mean girl made Lin's life hell for two years. So years later, Lin's looking for a house, and she found this place that she loved loved and the owner had already bought a new house so she was desperate to sell quickly and guess who the owner was so this girl starts chatting to Lynn as if they were old friends no mate Lynn was like oh no I love your house but I still hate you thanks bye you do though you don't forget like I was I think I was talking about this with my mom the other day and even things that happen at seven like maybe I need to be a more forgiving person I've not forgiven I've not forgotten no because you spend so much time 
thinking about it that you can't forget about something that you spend like all of your seven thinking about. <laughs> yeah. But this one, Fan Felina shared, and oh, I'm kind of torn because on the one hand, I'm like, go you. <laughs> but on the other hand, I'm like, you're a nerd. Did you deserve this? Maybe. <laughs> no. So, Polina, yeah, it's been a while actually, Polina, since you've made a contribution. Welcome back. Welcome back. Polina was in year 11 and they were all in class and she mutters something under her breath about these mean girls. Like, they never pay attention in class. They're just wasting everyone's time. Mm. Polina, settle down. <laughs> you remind me of Tina Fey in her 30 Rock reunion when she was the nerd, but it turns out the nerd was the mean girl. Yes. yes. <laughs> Maybe you were the mean girl. Oh Polina. my God, are we being mean girls right now? No, right we now. like you. <laughs> so, anyway, one of the girls heard Polina muttering under her breath and they threatened to bash her after school because private school. Yeah, too far. One day, nerd Polina snapped and she was like, Look, at least I tell you what I think to your face, unlike your friends who say it behind your back. And after that, mean girling ceased. Snap. Now, this is my favorite revenge story of all because it is planned revenge and it's so strategic. It is the long game and it requires so much patience. Fan Lena and her friend in grade six managed to scan a library book under the name of this legit bully. And at this point, I feel like I need to say, I know we've been saying bullies are girls, but mean girls can actually be boys too. Oh, for sure. And this boy was a mean girl. So they scanned this book and the book was called The Female Reproductive System. Ooh, <laughs> <Yes>. sex. <laughs> so at the end of the year, the librarian came to the class to read out all the overdue library books and the offending borrowers had to walk back to the library, hanging their head in shame. Meanwhile, Lena and her friends were standing so proud and she will never forget that feeling. Yes. <laughs> but I think if you don't get retribution, like I didn't, Karma usually does because, like a gymnast, mean girls peak in high school. Love it. So, Brittany was part of this real life mean girls, like three way calls, the boyfriend stealing, and because she's from the country, there were a lot of bashing threats. But one of her mean girls dropped out in year 10, and the other mean girl is a manager of McDonald's. Where do you think Regina George is now? I could confidently say that she is not a brain surgeon or a human rights attorney. She's the girl who slides into your DMs like an old friend after not speaking to you for 10 years and offers you the business opportunity of a lifetime. All you have to, all you have to do is attend her essential oils party. I personally have found that mean girls peak in high school and then fizzle out in the workplace. I come from the world of advertising where it is like 95% females under 30 and I have never had a mean girl experience. I have had quite the opposite experience where I just make friends with everyone and I know that's my downfall. I make friends as easily as Leonardo DiCaprio makes girlfriends but (laughs) it seems that I have been luckier than Stephen Bradbury because apparently... Mean girls definitely do exist in the workplace. Yeah, like I actually am listening and I'm so jealous. Unless you're the mean girl, I don't understand how that has not happened to you. i just lucky. So <laughs> Dr. Gordon, who is an expert in relationships and parenting, says that there are mean girls, but they're not the same mean girls as high school. The workplace mean girls are likely the ones that were actually bullied in high school and they're still insecure and now see an opening to take revenge, albeit on people that probably do not deserve it. That makes so much sense. So yeah, it's kind of like a carry-on effect. They're still insecure from their high school bullies or, you know, maybe other shit that's happened in their life because it's been a while since high school. But mainly probably the high school stuff because that shit is traumatizing. And then they're projecting their insecurities through bullying others in the workplace. Like Mean Girls 2 might have actually been a good movie if it was 
a follow-on and it focuses on the girls who the plastics bullied in high school like the girl with the heavy flow on the wide set vagina who works in steel sales now and she's a real micromanaging bully who takes credit for her subordinates work sound familiar Jess because I know you've got a story about the workplace bully oh my god totally number one I would totally watch that but (laughs) number two yes when I got a job at a company and I took a really significant pay cut I was Uh. like I know but I was like you know what I'll start here at entry level again I want to be in this company the rest of my life I'd always wanted to work there dream gig I'm like yeah let's go but I actually only lasted a few months and it be this manager I had and you don't, sometimes you don't realize it at the time you know it's those microaggressions and gaslighting and all these terms that I wasn't quite as familiar with yeah. at the time and they kind of if you're not familiar with them it you genuinely feel like you are the problem because you don't know the tricks they're playing. It's exactly right. And I remember, you know, thinking this woman is so awful to me, but there's nothing I can say. And for those who've watched Fleabags, it's kind of like the stepmom. What can you say? She's inviting me into her house and smiling at me, but women know. Well, yeah. And at the end, it goes so far that it gets physical at the end, but you left before that happened. Yeah. At this place, basically this woman on a daily basis would gaslight me, microaggressions, passive aggressive behaviors, you name it, emails in all caps, when I'm sitting right next to her, but then be like, hey, do you like my nail polish color? And I'd never know where we stood. Oh my God. Yes, compliment (laughs) sandwich. Exactly. It all came to a head basically when she told me to stop talking in conversations and that nobody wants to hear my opinions. We're talking about in like the lunchroom. It ended with me leaving in tears, her making up all these lies about what managers and other people thought about me and telling everyone that I left because I'd had a mental breakdown. What? I know. I was just so upset because I wanted this job. I wanted to be there for years. I tried so hard. I was like, can I do another teams report to someone else and like nothing worked but like you said even reporting it nothing happens so, they're like try no. to work together again and it turns out I was the third person in that position in 12 months and people were actually taking bets on how long I would last there because of the other two women leaving for the same reason and she's still there yeah but I do think the small solace you can take is that we know what happens to mean girls after high school and I think the same thing happens with mean girls in the workplace like you can't fake it forever. Sooner or later, your higher ups are going to realize that there's a really high turnover of staff underneath you. And the reason for that is because we as millennials don't work in the same jobs anymore for 20 years like our parents did. We'll work in a job max for like five years. And you know what? If we don't like it, we will get up and leave because we're not in high school anymore. We're older and we're wiser. And while we might feel helpless when we're in that particular workplace like you did, nobody likes you. <laughs> nobody wants to work with you. Nobody wants to be mentored by you. So we're going to we're gonna leave. We're done with Mean Girls. Mean Girls belong in high school. And look, when I say Mean Girls belong in high school, I'm talking about our experiences and our generation. But there are some very promising signs that the mean girl is fading into extinction. Gen Zs are way more sensitive than us. And it seems like for them, mean girls don't even belong in high school. They don't belong anywhere. So, yes, if we go Gen Zs. I know I look at them wearing their like flats at parties and all for the environment and teasing people's uncool. I'm like, I'm so jealous. Can I go back? Please. Like, it'd be so much nicer. Maybe there is hope for my child in high school yet. As people who permanently have sawbacks we are not quite gen z's and our direct line to that generation is through tv the teen dramedy which we unashamedly watch a lot of and we know you do too fans so don't be laughing at that and when you look at the most popular recent tv shows featuring teens there are no mean girls out of banks there's the popular girl but she's not mean teenage bounty hunters there's the uppity religious girl but she's not mean the kissing booth there's cool girls who wear stilettos to school that would what? be awful so weird but they're also not mean 
sex education, no Mean Girls. Never have I ever. Nope, not there either. And when you look back at the Mean Girls in teen films, they actually haven't been there for a while. Like Catherine from Cruel Intentions, Nancy from The Craft, Lana from Princess Diaries, and Ovi, Regina George, they really dry up in the late noughties. So I feel like it's happening. The mean girl is melting away like the Wicked Witch when Dorothy throws water on her. Also another mean girl. From the 1930s, we are so done with them. Done. But if we are so done with mean girls, which we are, why does the Bachelor franchise keep trying to make the mean girl happen? It's not going to happen. Ironically, when you look at it this way, it feels a bit like The Bachelor is like Regina's mom in Mean Girls trying to be cool, but she's so uncool. Actually, The Bachelor looks like a bit of a loser in this instance, and maybe that's why ratings are so down this season, because they tried to make like five Mean Girls, and not only was the editing awful, but nobody was having a bar of it. I suppose the argument for the mean girl is that reality shows need drama. And totally, of course they do. That's the cornerstone to a good reality TV show. But when I was thinking about it, there's really no other reality show that pushes hard for the mean girl because drama and mean girling are not the same. I think that, yeah, exactly. There's a difference between like someone going a bit off the rails, going a bit nuts, being really funny. But I don't want to watch a pack of girls bully another woman. I'm not interested. Right? It's it's grey. Like, because even when there's drama, one person is going to get their feelings hurt. But there is definitely a difference. And I think the difference is mean girling is personally attacking, whereas I think drama stems from disagreements. So, for example, mm. Selling Sunset. The girls, the very, very good-looking girls, they will disagree over whether agents should be on that showing with them or who turned up on time, who's telling the truth, but they would never personally attack each other for their fake blonde hair or not being born and bred rich. Never. Same deal with Real Housewives. They fight all the time. But it's over whether Denise had a threesome with Brandy and cheated on her husband and they all disagree over whether it happened or not for the and entire also orchestrated. season. <laughs> I mean, is it? I believe it. Whatever. The Kardashians, like OJ reality show, 20 seasons, but you would never say that one of them is a mean girl. They have disagreements and it's just a much more even playing field when it's straight up drama. But on The Bachelor, they have the girls personally attacking each other. Like, definitely. Have a fight over Lockie spending time with his other girlfriends because the girls never realize that he actually has 25 other girlfriends at the same time. Classic. Never gets old. (laughs) But, uh, like, when you have Roxy calling Caitlyn Gold Coast trash or Bella allegedly body-shaming Irina or when they coax the girls to talk about every other girl like they're beneath them, my ears prick up because it just stands out. It's yeah, And it's unwarranted. I think that's totally. as well. Like if, if you're disagreeing, it's like, hey, these are our two opinions. But someone's just sitting there and you're talking about what they look like or where they're from. I find that really it's, uncool. It's it's so uncool. That's the thing. Like, I don't believe you can edit a mean girl. They're saying those things. You can definitely, 100%. like, you can amplify it on camera, but you can't make them. But what Channel 10 could do is just, um, I don't know, not cast these people to begin with because we're done with it. Honestly, I feel like the mean girl in reality TV at this point is like more tone deaf than mass celebrities starting a GoFundMe page to move to the Gold Coast in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> we are done. And as much as we're clearly still traumatized from our 
own experiences. I think we're all over 18 now, barely, we're just over 18, but we know how to treat people properly and how we want to be treated. But in terms of the future of The Mean Girl, I'm just putting like all my faith in Generation Z. I think if anyone is going to fully eradicate this pest in our society, it's definitely going to be Gen Z. Pressure's on. Do it. Do it. If you've ever given Paris Hilton more than two minutes of surface level attention, you would have realized that somebody who is the world's highest paid female DJ earning up to $1 million per gig with 19 product lines, 27 fragrances worth over $3 billion, and who travels for work at least 250 days a year probably has a little bit more substance than that's hot. Give it a little bit of thought and you'll realize Paris Hilton is a pioneer. She's the original reality TV star, the OG influencer, who didn't get a velour tracksuit because Paris had them. Paris invented the selfie. Her blue tick on Instagram shouldn't even be blue. It should be gold because it is actually embarrassing to put her in the same category as ex-bachelor and ex-maths contestants. She is the queen of social media, the first person to be famous for being famous, which she has been mercilessly criticized for. But what trend have you started? What have you pioneered lately? Paris is a trailblazer. I Am Paris of course shows some scenes that you would expect from Paris. Opulence, materialism, Rooms filled with clothes and shoes she's never worn. Closets full of jewelry that would be like porn to organize. She notes at one point she's never been photographed in the same outfit twice. Wild. But if they didn't show any of those scenes, the essence of the film would be completely unbelievable because this is the only side of Paris we've known for the last 20 years. The superficial heiress Paris. And if you have never given Paris more than two minutes thought, this documentary lays it bare for you. At its essence, the film deals with Paris's childhood trauma. Moving to New York from LA at 14, Paris was wild. Fake IDs at the clubs every night. Well, you know how it goes. You've seen Gossip Girl. As a response, her parents sent her to several boarding schools for troubled teens. The last one, the most brutal one, was the Provo Canyon School, a psychiatric residential treatment center in Utah, where she would spend 11 months. Paris didn't know she was going there. What she does remember and still has nightmares about to this day is being asleep in her bed at home and being awoken by two men pulling her out of bed and essentially kidnapping her. As she was dragged out of her bedroom, her parents were standing there crying but doing nothing. While she was in Provo, Paris recalls being constantly drugged up and shares a story of one time refusing to take her pills. When she was caught, she was sent to solitary confinement for 20 hours without clothes. She also talks to verbal, physical and sexual abuse that occurred while she was at Provo. Paris left Provo at the age of 18 and she left with this drive to work and succeed to the point where she would be so financially secure that her parents could never do this to her again. She admits now that she won't stop working until she makes $1 billion because she feels like that's the point where she'll be comfortable and not have to worry. Throughout the film, it's clear that Paris left Provo with PTSD and an extreme fear of trusting anyone. So you can imagine the additional trauma that Rick Solomon caused her. When she first met her boyfriend, Rick, at 18, she was in love. She thought he was the love of her life and she would do anything for him. Then he commits the most disgusting betrayal and releases a sex tape of this teenage girl to the entire world without her consent 
and she was the one crucified for it. Although dropping your own sex tape became somewhat of a blueprint for fame after that, see Kimmy K, Paris did not consent to the release of this. She said, To have that come out, such a private moment, and for the whole world to be watching it and laugh at it like it's some sort of entertainment was just traumatizing. She added that she felt electronically raped. The film addresses Paris's ongoing lack of trust in relationships. She admits that she gets a new computer every time she gets a new boyfriend because they will undoubtedly at some stage, try to break into her computer and use its contents to threaten her. In this documentary, she can actually be seen installing spyware in her house because her new boyfriend is going to stay there while she's out of town. Turns out she actually has every right to be suspicious of this new boyfriend, Alex Novakovic, because he turns out to be yet another complete dead shit who gets totally drunk and nearly ruins her set at Tomorrowland, the biggest festival in the world. Paris also talks to having been in no less than five abusive relationships, experiencing everything from verbal abuse to strangulation, admitting that her childhood trauma has prevented her from truly seeing what's acceptable behavior, saying, it definitely affected me in my relationships because I just didn't know what real love was. And from being abused, you just get kind of used to it where you almost think it's normal. Paris has never been able to speak to her parents, Kathy and Rick, about the abuse she experienced at Provo, let alone tarnish her dumb blonde image. But in this film, she hands over complete creative control to director Alexandra Dean, something that Paris is not used to doing in her life. She's ready to face the truth and tell her real story. She reunites with former students who've had similar experiences to her at Provo and uses her social platform to expose institutions like Provo that administer cruel psychiatric treatments to minors. After 20 years of playing the dumb blonde, Paris told the New York Times she's happy for people to know that's not her. She's just very good at pretending to be one. Sure, this is a documentary told from Paris's side, and a critical eye could say it's just a rebranding exercise. But I, for one, have always been a big fan of Paris and her work ethic, and I saw this documentary as a raw insight into a damaged soul. She also said making this film was like therapy for her, and I honestly hope she is coming out on the other side of it stronger than ever. It's honestly a really great documentary. Any preconceived ideas you have about Paris, throw them out the window. It's a 9.5 out of 10 for mine. Thanks for listening to Large Almond Latte. If you loved the podcast, it would really mean a lot to us if you dropped us a five-star rating and a review. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Large Almond Latte Media. Join our Facebook group, Large Almond Latte, to join the conversation and check out our website, largealmondlatte.com, for hours upon hours of low-involvement entertainment.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 